Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. We are your hosts, Danny and Sammy. And in today's episode, we have AJ Morris and we'll be discussing peaking for females. So AJ, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. So thank you very much guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. I like being guests on podcasts. I'm happy to take the backup option. Hey, (laughs) Uh, but no, in all, all seriousness, i uh, really happy to be here and of course for anyone that doesn't know me, uh, I'm a coach. I've been a coach full-time online since 2015. I run Team MBM Bodybuilding Coaching, so I work primarily now with physique athletes. Um, I work with a few general population people, but my primary uh, client base now is, is all physique athletes. Um, and from a female perspective, obviously the majority of your listeners are female or interested in female physique coaching um i coach a variety of female athletes i have female bodybuilders i have female figure athletes i have female fit body athletes i have masters competitors i have um bikini competitors so my roster in terms of um female physique competitors is has definitely changed significantly um, over the last couple of years. Um, so my experience and, and now knowledge on, especially that like the process we're going to be talking about today, has certainly adapted. But um, as a cliff note as well, anything that I do say in this podcast uh, is just my current thoughts, and uh, it's bound to change in the future. So none of these things that I say are necessarily set in stone. And this is definitely a topic that there's more than one way to do things. So I'm just going to speak about what I think I would do. Um, and then obviously, you know, anyone that has their own opinions can, can definitely put them into their own practice. And anecdote is actually a great principle when it comes to this to- topic. Um, because if you see something and it works, no matter how kooky or weird it is, I actually think that it provides uh, quite a lot of benefit in, in this instance. Um, but yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. You're more than welcome. Um, so to kick off the podcast, a very common question amongst females is, do you manipulate water and or sodium during a peak or sure. in the run of it? Sure, sure. So um, obviously you guys sort of sent me through <clears throat> questions and things like that. So I can kind of see the structure of the podcast that we've got ahead. So I will get to the water question. I'll get to the sodium question. <clears throat> but I think most importantly like before we consider any of these sort of more minor variables at play we've got to consider that the females first and foremost ready to be peaked um so a lot of the time when we're coming into the peak week scenario people actually need one extra week of dieting because a lot of people give them the time scale to prep and a lot of the time it's maybe 12 weeks you know me and danny sammy as well of course we'll get approached by people that say Oh, you know, like now, for example, this time of the year, um, coming into April, they'll say, oh, can I, uh, can I get ready for body power? Or can I get ready for the first show of the season? It's just not possible in that sort of time frame. So a prerequisite for a peak is that you are giving yourself enough time. So before we get into these little, little tiny variables, make sure you have enough time. Um, make sure that you've, you know, dieted down in a manner that sees you at the end of the, the, the process with the, the peak week left so you can actually peak you know, because a lot of the time people do need that extra week of actual fat loss in that peak week period of time. So to get to the question, if the female's ready, do we manipulate water or sodium? I don't think we should manipulate sodium necessarily with a female because 
if we look at the role of sodium, like sodium can actually have a quite a drastic influence in our look. So with a male physique athlete, we may actually want to see a significant rise in sodium to result and sort of go and coincide with the large increase in carbohydrates coming into that final few days. Because with carbohydrates, we need sodium to carry those carbohydrates, go intramuscular. Okay. So with a female, the likelihood is, and I'm sure we'll get onto this later, the amount of carbohydrates coming in to peak them, to get them full, doesn't necessarily require a large shift in sodium. It might require some, but that amount of sodium might actually come in trace format through the carbs that they're using. You know, especially if people are using bagels and bread products, they're actually quite high in sodium. They'll carry some degree of sodium content and that will work up fairly naturally. Now, the other thing with water and sodium is that as females, and this isn't meant to sound offensive, but they stress a lot about the minor variables and the little things, and they want to get them perfect, which is great. It's awesome. But if you tell a female to have a certain amount of milligrams of sodium, the first thing they're going to do is freak the fuck out. And if they freak the fuck out, what happens to their look? It immediately gets worse. Okay. So sodium, the minor little things, the minor little details that you can add to a peak, like whilst they might influence the look in a positive fashion, I think the pressure on the female is perhaps a little bit too high. And you definitely need to consider that uh, with your specific client when it comes to a peak week approach. Um, water. I actually think this is uh, something I've learned through following more bikini athletes and working with more bikini athletes and actually also being with Danny as well in the sense that I think that water should be manipulated in some way to actually make stage day or show day more efficient from the perspective of not having to go to the toilet so frequently. So if you're drinking like lots of water on a normal day as a physique athlete, which you will be you know, three plus liters of water, the last thing you want to really be doing it on show day is drinking your normal water, going to the toilet fairly frequently when you've got a show day tan on, you've got your bikini on and all you want to do is just sort of be calm and relaxed and get on stage. So from a water perspective, I don't think we should do anything different with water up until maybe the show day itself and perhaps the night prior. Remember, like water will obviously have a direct correlation with your look just as sodium does. So if you pull water, you can expect to look flat and soft because you haven't deposited any of the carbohydrates that you're loading on intramuscular. Okay, where, where the hell are those carbohydrates that you're loading on going to go if you haven't got water and sodium? And this is what you see a lot still in a lot of bikini prep or peak weeks or even any peak weeks, bikini or not, um, is a, a lack of water and a lack of sodium at the time that you need both of these things. So if you want any of the carbohydrates that you're eating to load going intramuscular, you need water and you need sodium. Um, so pulling them out of that stage is a bad idea. But reducing water slightly in the last few days and moments before the stage, I think is advisable just from an efficiency and uh, ease of, uh, of the show day uh, perspective. So that's what I would say in answer to that question. Uh, I hope that makes sense. If you've got any side tangents off that, guys, then just let me know. No, I definitely agree with that. And Samuel, know as well as a female, you have to we in a cup on show day. So you yeah. want to try and minimize that as much as possible so your tan doesn't run. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that. And then just on the topic of water and sodium, I think it is person dependent. Like if you've been having, I don't know, six liters a day 
That yeah. doesn't mean you all of a sudden have to go to three leaders because that's what the peak week protocol is, you know? So yeah. like you said, it's person dependent. And I think the less variables you have, so the more things you just keep consistent, like peak week isn't that magic thing that's all of a sudden going <laughs> to take yeah. you to like shredded from not shredded, you know? Yeah. You have yeah. to be ready. So no, yeah. I agree with that. Cool. Um, moving on, next question. In regards to nutrition, uh, do you favor following a meal plan? or giving your clients macros during a peak? Sure. So I, I would say that at this stage, so someone wants to compete and someone's taking the, you know, the, the big, the big decision to, to get as lean as you do for, for this stage. I think most people should have a very good idea of their structure within their nutrition and they should most likely not be having quite a few variables at play. So their day-to-day -day eating at the end of a prep, considering their contest lean should be should be very similar and at that point i should also know what they're consuming because i'll either use their my fitness power to look through at their data and i'll be like okay yeah this makes sense and I, I like this approach and um change this or change that and that's generally the way that i work with most of my clients so i don't send tend to set stringent meal plans i initially set a peri workout guideline so their pre their intra and their post-workout meals are set with a composition-based goal, so carb, fat, and protein goal in those meals, because those are the meals that I deem as most important in terms of retaining performance and maximizing recovery over the course of the diet. So those, those meals will be pretty much set in stone. The rest of the meals are dictated by the client based on preference, lifestyle, etc. Um, and so I will understand where their meal plan and structure is. Going into a peak week, they will have pure composition based diet so when we're looking at like meal one meal two meal three i'll know their structure and then i'll start to plan out their feedings if they're loading for example in in that fashion so for example making sure that if we're looking at you know say say a small a small female you know i've had a few small females that actually need a, a fair amount of food their high days go fairly high Normally, this is just simply because of neat levels and expenditure levels. Um, I had a couple of girls last year that were just PTs. Um, so their, their expenditure was very, very high. And even in the final few weeks leading up to the peak week, they were still working. So their loading days or high days were fairly high in terms of food volume. So thinking along the lines of like, would you say, oh, let's, let's eat you know, 150, 200 carbs post-workout and just increase your post-workout meal or not having any structure with those foods as we start to load would be silly because that's going to cause a load of gastric discomfort. Um, potentially if some of that food isn't going to be digested well, uh, we're going to get stressed out because we're bloated. Um, so at that stage when essentially the digestive tract is very sensitive to changes, you know, as you know, anyone that listens to this and has done a prep or even a diet, you know how if you change a few things, even sources, even even like seasonings at that stage, you will see a drastic difference in your look and potentially like bloating or discomfort. So being very samey with everything you do in the, that final week is very key. Like you need to be almost like almost in a ritual based approach to that final week with regards to everything you do, water, sodium, seasoning, sauces, etc. all the same. Um, and then with the higher, the higher loadings in, in smaller females, I'll just make sure that they're very spread evenly across the course of the day. So that, you know, and it might end up being that they're eating inconveniently frequently, but that's what it takes to digest the food well. You know, it might end up being like a small, 
you know, like 55, 56 kilo female eating like six times a day. But I've, I've done that with some of my females because I, I know that they need that in terms of getting the amount of food that they need to get in over the course of the day without feeling discomfort or essentially you could roll into some issues, especially if you're a coach, which just give, gives macros. Um, if you give macros on a peak week plan and you've got a girl that's hoarding their food for the, for the final meal of the day and they do a, their 200 gram carb meal pre-bed like the night before the show. And I know that's happened. I know, I know some people have done that because they get into habits where they hoard food um, because they don't want to go to bed hungry. Perhaps this is old habits that they've just sort of set in stone. Um, this is an issue in my opinion, because it will definitely result in some degree of digestive discomfort. Uh, some of those carbohydrates not being absorbed properly. Uh, and essentially that's going to play with your look quite drastically. So yeah, a meal plan or a composition based plan at that stage is what I would say to pretty much all contest prep dieters and coaches should do um, just for the, the peace of mind of your client. Um, unless you know them very, very well and you know that they're not, not going to do anything stupid. Um, so yeah, at that stage, that's what I would do. Yeah. Great. Um, should we ask those additional questions about uh, sweeteners and dairy? To add on. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so just to add to that, um, is it true that you need to avoid fibrous carbs and sweeteners and dairy? And what are some good things to carb up on? Sure, 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 sure. So to take the sweeteners and the dairy question first, this is obviously going to be very individual based. So to give some, like obviously everyone listens to podcasts, everyone's going to hear this is very individual based. That's a very generic answer. So to give some more anecdote and you know, potentially practical stuff that people can take away. I noticed that with myself, especially, I notice a, a different look in my physique when I use artificial sweeteners. I notice a slight film of water retention across certain areas of my physique. This is because I know my physique so well when I'm lean. I know areas that are, that, are, that are slightly carrying a film of water. When you're very, very dug out and lean for a bikini competitor, if your glutes and your hamstrings are in, that's that kind of lean. When you know you're that kind of lean, you will see these small changes. So if you've used artificial sweeteners in abundance during your prep, it's worth at some point pulling them to see if it improves your look. If you've used them the whole prep, the whole off season, pull them, see if your look improves. If there's no change in your look, there's no reason to suggest that you should remove them during peak week. Pretty simple, right? Now with dairy, obviously if you've got some degree of lactose intolerance, then dairy is probably something you don't want to be consuming all the time. Of course, generic answer. Dairy for me, I find that it doesn't necessarily change my look or change clients look significantly unless they have an intolerance of course they bloat significantly but i do find that in the peak week avoiding things like lactose across the board is probably a good idea to make digestion as efficient as possible because most people or a very high percentage of people even if they don't feel discomfort have probably got some small intolerance to lactose some small issue with it um whether it's in large quantities small quantities there's probably some issue with it and again if you can avoid this uh, I would say try and avoid it. And again, pulling it out, seeing, seeing if it improves digestion, seeing if it improves your, the way your midsection looks. Now, in bikini especially, 
the midsection is huge. Like it's massive. If, if, if your midsection isn't tight and your, your waist isn't sunk in, you're going to drastically change, you know, your ability to place high in the show and your ability to like control your front shots and your side shots. Like everything matters on your control of the midsection and keeping it small. Hence why we want to keep water slightly low on show day as well to avoid any sort of stomach distension. So if we can avoid stomach distension through dairy as well, um, I think that would be a really, really good plan. So yeah, dairy, artificial sweeteners, play about with them, see what effect it has on your look. Um, personally, I would say to clients, you know, remove dairy and with artificial sweeteners, you know, play it by ear. And uh, any foods that you specifically I would carve up on. So the foods that have been sitting well with you the entire prep. Like, so let's say you've been eating very consistently things like, um, you know, white potato, white rice, rice cakes, cream of rice, things like that. They're probably going to be the things that you carve up on. With potato, it is going to be something you want to be careful with, especially if you're a, a female athlete that's carving up on high quantities of food, because there's a few things with potato. So potato carries a lot of food volume. So in the gut, it's going to stay there for potentially for longer. It's going to fill out your, your midsection again, your stomach a little bit more. So that's the thing with, with potato. You've got to be careful on a food volume perspective. Now, with potato also, obviously, it's higher in fiber than things like cream of rice or rice-based products. So carrying fibers, obviously, again, going to cause some level of gastric dis discomfort if you're not managing it correctly. However, some degree of fiber is going to be important. So when I see people remove all vegetables throughout an entire peak week and they're like four days into peaking and they haven't gone to the toilet in four days, like that's an issue. You know, you're going to be just as clogged up to, as you were if you loaded on four kilos of potato if you've not gone to the toilet in four days. So thinking about keeping fiber in, whether it's through vegetables or a really good supplement at that point is either psyllium husk or a fruit-based fiber product. Those are really great for getting you to go consistently and not having you worry about not being able to go to the toilet. So that's that. And then the other thing with potato is that it's very high in potassium. So if you're thinking about electrolyte balance and you're trying to balance sodium and potassium in a peak week, which again, for females, even for males at the moment, I'm not really doing um, because I think that it's a very minor variable that you can that you can kind of control very well regardless of knowing the exact numbers you can control it by just having a degree of potassium in your diet using like low salt or using white potato in your diet etc you'll probably get a good amount of potassium um things like you know um, coconut water is another good option as well um but without the um without that worry like i think just using things that you've just used through, throughout your entire prep is probably a good option um I've done the majority of my personal carb ups on a combination of potato, oats, and cream of rice. That was what I used for all of my preps, and it seemed to work really well with me. I even ate those things all the way when I went over to the States and traveled on a plane eating those kind of things. And every, like, the thing that I really want to nail home is that it's consistency. It is literally consistency, and it's not just consistency in the food options it's the way that you cook it and I, i'm being serious like it's the way that you cook it so if you're cooking your potato in an air fryer and you change to boiling it on your peak week just because that's all you've got you've screwed up in my opinion like that's an opportunity for something to go wrong so when i see an opportunity to go to something to go wrong i don't allow it to happen so when i did my shows apart from boston 
where I actually removed potato for a little time period. I brought my air fryer with me to the hotel room and I literally cooked potato in my hotel room in an air fryer. So I wanted the exact same thing at the exact same times. Um, so if you can literally, like ideally, you do a show that's close to your house, you stay in your house the whole time with every single thing matched. And then it, when you travel, you just go to the show, perfect. Or you stay in an Airbnb where you can just take all your stuff with you quite quite easily. Um, either of those options is really good. I think that's something that I wanted to hammer home big in this podcast in terms of it doesn't matter whether you're a bikini girl or a figure girl or a bodybuilder. You know, your peak is just as important as anyone else. It is a very, very important week to, to not fuck up. So don't screw it up by doing loads of things different that you wouldn't normally do. Keep things as similar as you possibly can. Yeah, that's yeah. That. I think I agree with that. And with the sweetener and lactose thing, I personally take it out just to be on the safe side. Like sure. just because I don't want it to risk it causing any issues whatsoever. Yeah. Even though I do consume sweeteners now, in my peak week, I just like to sneak out to be on the safe side. So that's my like opinion on that. AJ, what about um, whey protein? Would you mm. consider that as a sweetener and dairy? It's a good question. Um, I, I've kept in whey protein with myself all the time. Um, I would say that the amount of, I'd say the amount of sweetener in whey protein isn't necessarily something that I would be worried about. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's actually a really good question. I think it would be another thing where remove it and see if it makes a difference in terms of your look. Um, I would, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's a huge thing to worry about. And if anything, if you're using a whey isolate, obviously you disregard the lactose. And if you're using a whey isolate, you also improve the digestion. So I would say that if you're going to use a whey in that time period, or even in a prep in general, use an isolate and you know use a high quality isolate. So brands that I would recommend is like uh, Primeval Labs, um, Dimatize, Mutant, those are all really good brands, very trustworthy, and the quality is going to be high. So, yeah, I would say don't necessarily worry about whey protein, but it is a good question, actually. It is a one that I haven't really thought about too much. I think you're right, though, when it, it just like remove it and see what happens, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Can't do any harm. So, next question, AJ. Do imagine your, your client is completely ready do you favor a particular approach to loading with your females in terms of like a back load a front load or a reverse into the show what would you prefer to do in an ideal situation mm. so i kind of alluded to in the previous question about the importance of controlling stress uh, especially in female you know peak weeks but across the board and controlling stress is probably one of the biggest variables i want to look at as a coach because i think no matter how amazing the peak week setup is no matter how perfect it is if the client is stressed the, the peak week is flawed because the hormonal malaise that will take place as a result of the client being stressed is far more of a negative than the peak week not being as perfect as it possibly could be so i'd rather have a more sensible um strategic peak than a more complex uh, crazy manipulate manipulative peak um, and have the client controlled and calm I think that would result in a way better look than than being stressed so 
in terms of what I would like, I would like the third option the most, the reverse diet, because I think that what that allows us to do is essentially get into the predetermined look way before or ideally a little bit of time period, not way before, that's, a, that's an overestimation, but a little bit of a time period before the show. Um, because that will see the client be like, okay, this is what I'm going to look like on stage. This is the, the combination of dryness, fullness, separation that I want. I will hold this look. And then the goal from that time period really becomes just a balancing act of you know, the water, the carbs, the sodium, just balancing it all out to recreate that look and keep it the same. Obviously with so many things going on at that stage, you have training, you have all the cardio that they're potentially doing. You have the nights of sleep that they're getting, which is all coinciding in their look. You know, the, the only, the, the thing that people don't realize is that if you get someone to a specific look, it's not nutrition that's going to just keep them there. It's everything else. So if they change their night of sleep, if they change their stress, if they have a bad day at work, that is affecting their look. And as a coach, unfortunately, we can't pinpoint and control all those variables all at once. We can do our best. We can give strategies to control all of these factors, but we cannot control every external factor that's going on within this client as best as possible. Okay. Can't, we can't do that. We physically can't intervene. So the reverse diet allows the risk to be much lower because you know, you can essentially just get them to that look and then try and play about with all the variables to keep them there. Whereas with a front or a back load, you're essentially riding on some form of a risk. With the front load, you could load too aggressive at the front end of the week and spend the rest of the week trying to regain the, the hardness and the dryness and the separation that they had. Okay. Um, if you do a back load and you screw it up, they could be really spilled on stage. And even in some bikini competitors, you can really screw it up. And with the conditioning now required at quite a lot of even the amateur level shows, you can't afford to be you know, spilled over at any show realistically now, you know, and if, especially for a bikini competitor, you work so damn hard to get those lines in detail, especially in the rear shots for most people, if they're stubborn in those areas, if you screw that up by spilling over in a back load, it's really disappointing, you know, especially if you're limited with the amount of shows that you can do in a season or if you're riding on the back of like one qualifier. So for example, you do a late qualifier in the season and you're risking it all on one qualifier. There's no qualifiers after that. You do the last PCA qualifier of the season, you're screwed, you know? So I think taking a, a more risk-free approach with the reverse diet is what I would always try and put first. But the reality of getting there, especially for a qualifier, is quite, some, seems quite slim. Um, even when you think you give people enough time you get to the end point and you're like, crap, we're not going to have enough time to reverse diet here. You know, we, we're going to have to maybe even diet through some of peak week. Um, just because the way timescales work, um, as a coach, I'm getting better at it because I have an eye for what's actually the, the standard now. But a lot of people don't understand what the standard is. And, you know, it's like brings me back to my point of like 12 week preps, you know, people don't understand how much time this takes to get truly lean. So um, if you're in a predicament where you are just ready, just about, and you've got a peak week ahead of you, I would say that if you don't need to lose fat in peak week, a front load, because you can afford to do the first couple of days high. So do a couple of refeed days. You can predetermine your look off those. You can go a little bit cautious with them, which I would do. I'd go very cautious. And then we can predetermine the look that we get after two high days 
coming into Wednesday, we can assess the look. We could potentially run some uh, low days or even moderate days to hold over the look. Um, we can level out that 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 look, and then we can go into you know the weekend before the show. Say it's a Sunday show, we can use the rest of the week, Thursday, Friday, Sat to basically clean up any mess that we've done with the high days, or just maintain that look and try and top it up when needed. Again, with the muscularity of a bikini competitor, it's not too much of an issue. I'd rather see them come in a little bit flat than be spilled in the in the in the chase or the pursuit for fullness. But what you've got to remember is that especially with the he more heavily muscled bikini competitors, like you, you and Samily are very, very well muscled. You know, if you come in flat, too flat, you won't look as conditioned as you should because you're not push pushing as much glycogen. You know, you get that feeling of the muscle pushing up against the skin. You're not getting that. So you won't get the separation that you would if you were a little bit fuller. So I'd play on the risk that the side of being a little bit flat um, but I, you know, be cautious in that instance. Um, and then if you need to lose fat during peak week, so I've just done the, the principle of you, you're, you've done with fat loss, you can peak. Um, now if you need to lose fat in peak week, you need to do a backload because you need the most of the week to lose fat. So you'll be in a deficit from Monday to maybe Thursday. And then say it's a Sunday show, you'll use Friday and Saturday to do some, some high days. Um, hopefully at this point you've maybe got some refeed data to go off. If it's been a really fucked up prep, really rushed prep, uh, then maybe you haven't and you've just been dieting like an absolute cannonball for like 10 weeks. Kudos. Well done. Um, now you've got to do like two high days and you should be pretty damn cautious with those because if you've dieted like a cannibal for 10 weeks, you don't have a clue how your body is going to respond to those carbs. And a lot of the time, this is what people do. They chuck in whatever, you know, anything. And it means like off food as well. Like you'll see people going out to, and this is where I kind of really, really have a very strong opinion that I think is not going to change too drastically. I would not be eating anything but the foods that I've eaten in my prep in that final window. If I see competitors going out for even a Nando's, one day out, to me, unless they've had that as a refeed day or a cheat meal throughout the entire prep, that makes no sense. Um, I think that's ridiculous in my opinion because how do you know that the chef is cooking that the right way, not adding this, not adding that? And I know it sounds like OCD, but I think you should be kind of like over the top with your analysis at that stage. You should be wanting to do everything as you normally have done it and not do anything differently. So I would say... Keep your food the same over those two high days um, in terms of food sources. You stay with your meals. Ideally, you stay at home. You don't go out. You don't get tempted to have a burger. And you definitely don't, don't get tempted to get up on show day and have like weird foods that you've never had before, like steak and eggs. No, I don't get where even that came from, like steak and eggs on the morning of the show. Like steak is actually red meat. It's like one of the worst things you could be eating at that point because it's not going to fucking digest like a 52 kg bikini competitor having a ginormous steak on show day, not going to do you any good on stage. So don't do that. You know, like if you're, if your coach, if your coach says that as well, and I've had people message me on Instagram saying my coach told me to eat a 10 ounce steak and, chip and chips. I'm like, well, have you not asked your coach why you're doing that? Like ask him, don't ask me. And I said, that's a ridiculous idea in my head. But then again, you could have been having, having a 10 ounce steak and chips your entire prep, which is fine. And then you just have it again and you understand your look. You know, I think it's very important that we don't do anything stupid 
um, in, in any approach. So yeah, backload the two high days, be very cautious, similar foods, ideally using your refeed data that you've accumulated over the, the, the majority of your prep. Um, and then hopefully you have a, you have a respectable look um, off the back of those two high days. Um, what could go wrong is this in the sense that you've dieted so hard that the two high days essentially cause what is a drastic removal in dietary, dietary fatigue very quick. So you see a huge drop off in water weight. Um, but with that comes a higher thermic effect of feeding because you've suddenly got this huge input of energy, you start doing shit randomly and you just start wandering around all over the place. You'll start running around the house, doing chores, cleaning, cleaning up things up, doing the hoovering, and you'll burn through those calories like mad and you'll actually end up just looking flat and soft at the same time. And this happened to me once. I used my refeed data and I, on that day, traveled, was moving around a lot and didn't really just pay attention to my general needs. It was stupid in hindsight. And I did a very high loading day. And I was like, I was even saying to my friend, I was like, I'm really hot. Like you'll feel very hot when you put in a high carb day after being very cold on low carbs for ages, you'll start to feel warm. It's the thermic effect of feeding. And I was feeling very hot, very sweaty. And the next day I woke up like two pounds lighter on show day, having done one high day, like a shotgun high day. It was a really bad idea. And I woke up looking flatter and softer because i hadn't deposited any intramuscular glycogen and i just burnt through it and i was still not quite ready for that show so it's a very very see how it's a very risky approach doing the back load you know even with a bikini competitor it's very risky so i would say the reverse diet get them to where they want to be um so uh, and i know this is going on a long tangent but this is why i said this podcast might might take quite a bit uh, of time to discuss some questions but the reverse diet, how we would do that, because I know a lot of people would be like, okay, how do we reverse diet? So essentially, you, you got contest lean. So you finished dieting pretty much. You finished the fat loss phase of dieting. Now, to maintain that look and get that look better, we potentially what we're going to see is basically a rise in carbohydrates, but very steadily. So for a, let's say we've got like a bikini competitor um, who's like, you know, 120 pounds on stage, it might look like you're adding as small as 10 grams of carbs at a time. But these, these carb increments could be fairly frequent. So let's say you're having two weekly check-ins with your coach, you could add 10 grams of carbs at every single check-in. And by, by the point of the show, if you've been reversing for like three weeks, you'll be on a decent amount more food if you're taking that approach. But the, the thing is, you've got to be very patient with it because you've got to keep adding at a very small amount I keep fats and protein relatively static at that stage. I wouldn't change them. There's no reason to. So with carbohydrates going up, 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 obviously slowly, slowly, slowly stocking up intramuscular glycogen, you're slowly, slowly, slowly starting to feel better because you're removing diet fatigue. And then your look as a result of dropping some water weight off um, because you're removing dietary you know, fatigue, if you're, if you're, if you're adding carbohydrates, your look will start to get better and better and better. And then you'll sort of find a look where you're like, you're just whole every day. You look good every day. You look great. So you're not flat. You're not soft one day. You're not like when you're in prep and you're dieting, you look great one day and you crap the next when you've reversed and you've reversed very well, you'll look good every single day. And it's an amazing feeling. I luckily got there 
but you can't stay there for very long. This is the important thing. With reversing, I'd say the maximum time window you've got for a reverse is probably a month, and if, if, if not, shorter with females. And the thing that you've got to be very clear with your clients as well is your scale weight will really fluctuate. So you might, in this, in this, in this peaking scenario, you might even see some females go from their end diet weight and maybe even transition up like four to five pounds. And it won't look like they've gained any ounce of, of body fat. And it re really won't because you'll be surprised as to how much you can push that scale weight up without seeing any detriment to condition. They might even get harder. And this is not muscle gain. This is just, this is just how body weight works. It fluctuates. It fluctuates based on so many different variables. Body weight can be so much higher based on you know, dietary stress. Body weight can be so much lower without it. Body weight can go up through intramuscular glycogen stores and go up through water, can go up through sodium. You might see it go up. You might even see it come down. You know, you don't even know what's going to happen. But I've seen some girls go up like, I've seen, I think like Sasha won't mind me mentioning her name. I think Sasha went up like three to four pounds and looked leaner um, throughout her reverse at the end of prep. I had a bodybuilding client that I reversed. He went up five pounds and looked leaner. Um, if you want more information, any girls listening to this on reverse dieting and linear progressive loading into a show, follow, um, I really can't pronounce his surname. So you'll just have to like find it, but it's Dr. Joe. And if you'll find him through, uh, Paul Revalia. So if you search Paul Revalia peaking, you'll find Dr. Joe and you'll realize what his surname is and you'll realize why I didn't try and pronounce it on the podcast. Um, and then you'll find loads of information on linear progressive loading. Um, I, actually, I actually met Dr. Joe um, in, in the States and I asked him like just loads of questions in an elevator about it and he immediately wanted to get out and leave. And AJ, if say you had a bikini girl who was on a very high amount of energy expenditure yeah, when sure. she got stage lean, would mm. your first move to be reduce to reduce energy expenditure or increase carbs? Yeah, that's a really, really, really good point. Um, it depends where the energy expenditure is coming from. So if it's natural, if it's in their job and their lifestyle, I would I can't really remove that. But if I have the possibility to remove it, I would say that it's gonna be a tangent of both. So it's like they're working in duo together. So as I pull up food slightly, I will drop expenditure slightly. I'll go with very small manipulations of both. Now, I've actually seen a better look from increasing food and keeping expenditure similar, provided that the expenditure is not crazy high. So remember, especially like in Bikini Girls, and this is why, and I'll cover one of your other questions, I think, well, I'll cover it anyway. Um, I think you should actually pull down cardio in the final week for especially a bikini competitor because the amount of cell swelling and just general like flatness that you might get in the quads and the glutes from all the cardio, especially the stair master that you've been doing, um, may actually hide some detail in those areas. Now, I'd say you need to try and play about with this if possible. Again, it's not very possible within most. If you can try and play about with how, when your legs look the best, so if some people's legs might actually look better after doing some cardio, the cell swelling might actually make their legs look better after doing some cardio. Very rare, but sometimes it does, um, especially if the cardio is not too intense. So this is why I think when reversing, if we keep some cardio in, it can actually work well. 
because I just find like the blood flow effects of cardio and getting people moving whilst actually increasing food just tends to make them feel better and look better because psychologically also for a very small bikini girl, you're going to be dieting on very low food. And if you could have one thing at the end of a diet, which would you want more of? And I'm pretty sure most people would go with the food. Pretty sure. Cause I don't, th- I think a lot of bikini girls don't, a lot of female athletes don't mind cardio too much. Um, I might be wrong. And in that case, you'd go with a little bit of preference with your clients. So like, you know, how are you finding the cardio? Do you, do you hate it? Do you like watch podcasts and love it? You know, I actually, I actually really liked doing CV when I was prepping. I like listening to podcasts. I like watching YouTube videos. Um, and I'd have taken the, the more food over everything because that's what I prefer. So I think it's an element of preference. Ultimately, it's the energy balance. So you know, it can be a bit of preference at that stage. And also what you found as a coach improves their look and improves their, their lower body, especially. Um, yeah. Uh, when it comes to training in peak week, how would you program uh, your bikini girls and your figure girls? Sure, sure, sure. Um, so I think with training, uh, we need to definitely do something different to what we're currently doing um, because the soreness and inflammation that you're creating from your normal training is probably going to be a little bit too much for not only getting intramuscular glycogen stores stocked uh, well because we know that inflammation will play havoc with that. So if we bring down inflammation, we're going to be able to deposit or get intramuscular glycogen stores stopped more efficiently. So we're going to be able to peak better. Um, we've got to, we've got to, again, like I said, with the cardio and the legs, especially with the females, sometimes some degree of leg training, especially higher repetition work where we're not creating so much nervous fatigue. So we're not creating a huge amount of inflammation. We're staying away from failure. I think some amount of lower body training is actually a good thing because I think the voluminous look to the muscle revolves around training it and sending carbohydrates where we want them. Like if we want fullness in the legs on stage, we best be doing something to send the extra food somewhere. You know, I think, I think resting in the final few days before the stage is a good idea for some, especially some that are like maybe more stressed out getting in a workout session is a bit hectic and it doesn't really fit their schedule within travel or something like that. Just telling those people to rest would be a good idea. But other people, I think pump sessions towards the latter end of the week is a really good idea. So let's say uh, I have someone ready, they're doing a really good peak, probably reversing. I'd probably keep their training the same up until about Wednesday. So they'd maybe maybe do deload style sessions, especially if they've come to the point where they maybe need a deload, <clears throat> kind of sometimes coincides. Um, but if they don't need a deload, they'll probably do their normal sessions up to Wednesday. This for most people works really well psychologically as well, because when you're that dug out and lean, like deload sessions become havoc for you mentally because entering the gym and not being able to give any effort, like your, your whole day suddenly has no purpose. You're like, what the hell am I even doing? And you know, all you want to do is train hard and all you want to do is get a good session and get a good pump. So psychologically, I find that it helps people to do normal sessions up until about midweek. And then the, the, I'd probably rest, rest the client on the Thursday. So they have one day of rest, 
which would hopefully be you know a day where their nutrition is coming in as well they get adequate hydration and they start the loading process if they're doing a backload for example um, ideally starting on a rest day would be good because you get that full day of rest you get the carbohydrates coming in you can rest up digest the food really well um, and start to get that loading process done if you're doing a backload then let's say the show is sunday friday and saturday i probably have them do uh, with most of my clients i have them do some form of full body pump sessions which the goal with these is to like i said send <clears throat> carbohydrates where we want them so send them intramuscular give them a reason to go intramuscular so we can give the the muscles that full hard look now I think it's really important to be careful in this stage so we're not doing too much because we the last thing we want to do is create soreness. If we create soreness, we create an inflamed look, we're not gonna die, we're not gonna send the food to the right places. Um, and, and we're gonna fade condition as well. With inflammation, like you all know it when you've done a really hard leg tain, your legs are really swollen, even in the off season you notice a lack of detail, like you've lost details that you usually would have in specific areas because they're so sore. You can't flex them when they're sore. And the last thing you want to do, especially as a female competitor, when some of the poses are much harder to hit, especially like with the lower back in bikini, especially, um, you don't want any areas sore. You don't want your erectors sore. You don't want your quads sore, your glutes, your hams or anything. So doing some light work with short rest periods, get in, get out, and then go and eat your food and drink your water the best approach in my opinion um and this would look like for most people like some form of like a very simple circuit and this is something that i sometimes even say they can do in the hotel room um where they might even use bands just so we can just like get blood flow to the areas and sometimes i've even like gotten um figure or bodyboarding clients to, to roll through their mandatory poses because that in a sense is a muscular contraction and we will still be driving carbohydrates intramuscular with those contractions. So that's something I get clients to do. The other thing is that I've noticed is body temperature. So if we get body temperature up, I usually find the look is just improved. Like, um, find that like, especially after the pump sessions, they look pretty much a lot better than they looked in the morning photos obviously that's true because anyway like even in the afternoon they'd look better than they would in the morning but i find they look significantly better after the pump session than they did in the morning just because again body temperature up carbs going to where they want to go and i think that is something that most people should look to do um so with you know with with bikini as well like trying to like do some like light glute movements as well getting blood flow to the glutes i think that's a good idea um with the one day out as well one day out is like i said with the travel and stuff it's really important to realize that getting that workout in isn't the be all and end all so uh, i usually with my clients that are like doing tans on that day like i know for example danny had a tan on that day um one day out i think trying to put a workout on top of that would have actually just caused more stress than provided any benefit. So you've got to know your clients. I know my client's schedule, like, like the back of my hand before their show day. So I know where they're going to be, what they're going to do. And then if I feel like I can fit in a pump workout in that schedule, let's say they're going to be sitting in their hotel room all day. I know they can go somewhere easy, close, get a pump workout in and have no stress. Um, but if they're traveling a lot, it's, it's not worth it. Um, but the hard training, 
you know, like people doing super hard leg workouts one day out, I don't think that's a good idea. Um, and that's going to cause an issue with your look on stage. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's training. That's training covered. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, the same for figure girls. You don't do any difference really for bikini or figure. Not really. And to be honest, I don't really do much different. I mean, the workouts themselves, like figure to bikini would be very similar in terms of like the circuit style blood flow. Um, and then with, with, with bodybuilders. So considering the carbohydrate amounts would consider, would, would determine the volume. So the volume in those circuit style sessions would be determined by the amount that I'm loading them on. So if I'm loading them on a lot of food, the, the workout might be a little bit longer, not significantly. This is not trying to burn calories, but it might just be a little bit longer because I want to try and get that carbohydrates in the right spots. And AJ on show day itself, what do you usually recommend with food? Like some people will say, food on show day doesn't actually have an effect on your physique because it doesn't have enough time to be digested, etc. Um, and other people will kind of try and rescue a physique on show day. If a client is looking a bit flat, what is your opinion and what food sources do you usually recommend? Yeah. So if you look at like carbohydrate absorption, it's like most carbohydrate absorption is going to take place over 24 to 72 hours. So I don't think we can have a huge effect on the look on the day. I think you can have some though, especially in more muscled competitors. I think you can have some effect on the look. So if you'd really screwed up and you were really, really flat, I think having some very quick to digest carbs could definitely provide a change in your look. Likewise, if you were to think, oh my God, I'm flat and then proceed to nail everything in sight, you'd very quickly get full and then you'd very quickly screw up your look thereafter. So doing that is a really stupid idea as well. And I think um, saying that, you know, there's an all hard barred, like open free will to whatever food you want on show day, just because it's not going to digest is a silly idea too. So like if you're backstage and you know, your pal has got a giant packet of crispy cremes and they're eating them because their coach said they can have one, like don't dive in because you know, if anything, what you kind of like want to say in that instance is that, you know, you're flat, have more to the competitor that's next to you, provided they're in your class. Um, no, I'm joking. But yeah, like uh, I would say that <laughs> um, don't nail anything stupid backstage because it's just going to really wreck your look. So um, and on show day itself, actually for a, a, a female competitor, their food is very low, very low. Um, because we want to keep the midsection as tight as possible. So their food volume is so insignificant. They might have little snacks throughout the day, something very little backstage, you know, maybe. Um, so getting upper class, so bikini to figure, figure would be a little bit more food. And they'd actually almost try, I try and get them to replicate, provided it digests well, I'd get them to try and replicate their pre-workout meal about two hours before they get on stage, if possible, if we have timings, because then they can go and start their pump up routine. They can have a normalized approach to things. So their pre-workout meal would be, would be replicated. Um, if they're on stage late in the day, then they'd maybe have you know a few more meals before that, but it would be very small insignificant meals like rice cakes, etc., with very minimal or next to no protein. Because at the end of the day, why 
are we trying to eat significant protein on show day? Uh, like you can just go out after the show and just nail a lot of protein, have a couple of shakes and stuff and hit your protein goal for the get for the day. If anything, we want to just keep gastric emptying as quick as possible. So avoiding protein on show day, I think is advisable. Maybe have little snacks of chicken here and there, but like, why, like, why are we having this? It just doesn't make too much sense. Um, unless you want to try and replicate your day as much as possible, which I do with some more muscled competitors, but for the girls that want to keep their waist as small as possible, I don't see a need to have protein on the day. Um, and then all the way up to women's, like women's bodybuilding clients. I haven't actually peaked to women's bodybuilder yet, but I, I will be working with one that will be peaking. And I imagine her food will be very similar because she's so well muscled. She'd be very similar in terms of the approach that I would have for the male bodybuilder. And that would be just pretty similar to a normal day um, and not really doing too much different and keeping things very similar, especially if I'd reverse them. You know, it'd be like, it'd be like, wake up, this is show day, but it's just a normal day. You know, like your look was great yesterday. So why the hell are we going to do anything different? Um, but with the, the, the bikini girls, it becomes more of an importance of like getting the most optimal waist and midsections we possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. And um, would you advise to trial a peak week before you actually do one? If possible, yeah. I mean, if possible. Um, the, the thing is, what you're riding there, Sammy, is like you're riding a balance between do you waste a week of fat loss that could got could have gotten you closer to reversing for that peak week? Or do you try the peak week knowing that you're not going to be able to reverse and that you're going to have to do a peak week? Uh, I think a lot of the data that you can collect with female clients is within their high days. So I'm a big fan of high days with female dieters. I like two back-to-back -back refeeds at the end of a dieting week. And this is great in terms of removing dietary stress um, and getting them in a position to attack fat loss further, preventing some of the meta metabolic adaptations that are going to occur during dieting, which ultimately will, if you don't pay attention to them, land the female up on very low calories. Ultimately, you're going to have to get onto pretty low food anyway. But I do like the two high days. So if you're taking those two high days as data, you can start to see, especially if you do more frequent check-ins with the client, you can start to see when their best look is. So is it is their best look one day after the high day? Mm, sometimes it's not. Sometimes they look a bit watery. Sometimes it is their best look. Is their look two days after the high day? or two days after the two high days. Maybe it is, or maybe it's three days. Maybe it takes them three days for their body to settle down and look their best, that best balance of fullness, condition, separation have three days after the high days. So it's just like, you know, data collection through the high days, I think is sometimes almost enough for uh, female competitors to, to use it for a peak week approach. I think that's pretty close to what you're gonna get. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Cool. cool. Um, do you think it's necessary to use any sort of diuretics? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, no, uh, I don't think so. Uh, I think the dryness that you're going to get out of them as a female competitor, I don't think is warranted in bikini in figure. I think dryness is definitely a sought after look in previous figure categories before fit body was introduced. So for anyone that doesn't know, figure is now judged on, or figure's always been judged on very heavily on shape. Okay, so you have to have a figure shape 
have to have balance, you have to have proportion symmetry. So the next level up from that is fit body. Now, fit body is also obviously judged on shape, balance, and proportion symmetry, but you have to be leaner and drier and harder. The dryness and the hardness of fit body and it's athletic in the BMBF. So it's fit body in the UKDFBA, athletic in the BMBF. The dryness in those two categories, I, obviously you can't use anything more than um, like herbal diuretics in, in natural federations. You, you can't, it's, it's banned. Um, I think bikini competitors using things like diazide and tabs, like no, no, like it's just like you're basically causing what could be a fairly significant shift in water balance and actually a very dangerous shift in water balance if used incorrectly for what like for what you're not your aim isn't to look super dry on stage if you've if you're watery and your approach to being ready for your show in terms of removing water retention is to use diazide or a, a diuretic you need to learn about dieting harder or dieting for longer before you do things like that. Um, so you need to, or you need to get a better coach. Basically, if, if a coach tells you to do that and you're a bikini girl, I'm not too sure that that's you know a, a very favorable coach for you in the long term because you're just going to be asked to go on Anavar next or something like that. So it's just not worth it. I think you can actually do very well as a bikini competitor as a natural. Um, I think you two girls prove that. And I think we'll continue to prove that, to be honest. So I don't think that anything is needed in those final stages. I mean, when someone asked me, uh, asked me about like, do you need like things like this? I just show them what's possible without it. So for example, like Jack Thorburn and like my condition, um, I think Jack Thorburn was way better than me, but still a dry look, a very dry look was achieved with no diuretics at all. And that's not the look that you want in bikini. <laughs> you don't want a striated quad in bikini or striated, like actually um, some people have had striated glutes, but you don't want stri super striated quads. You know, you want a glute hand tie-in, but you're not going to get that through diazide. So um, I don't, don't think you need that. In, um, in, so, so in figure, like I said, with the slightly softer look, um, not super soft, but slightly softer than fit body, I wouldn't use anything like that. Um, in fit body, I might consider herbal diuretics, although the effect that they're going to have is fairly minimal. You know, so we're talking about things like dandelion root, um, potentially even vitamin C is a diuretic. Um, but you know, the effect they're going to have is just meh, just get lean enough. Um, bodybuilding, women's bodybuilding, same thing. If they've got the density for the class, they should be able to get very dry without having to use any sort of diuretics. Uh, so yeah. That's my answer on that. Yeah. Cool. And what do you think to a glass of wine the night before the show? Oh, no. Well, to be fair, like, I talked about this, like, what underpins the look is stress. A lot of it is stress. If you find a glass of red wine the night before the show calms you down and gets you to bed, hey, presto, go for it. Like, why not? It's not going to really, like, it's not going to change your look drastically, is it? It's not going to negatively affect your look. Um, I think other things that I've seen that is pretty stupid is backstage people nailing quite a significant amount of alcohol in the attempt to dry out again, crazy, like going, I've heard stories of people going on stage legitimately pissed. Um, I didn't think that's good. Uh, if you've practiced your posing and paid Emma Heinemann lots of money for your posing and you go on stage pissed, 
probably not going to turn out too well. So I would say don't drink significant amounts of alcohol that you don't know your tolerance to around the uh, around the stage window. What about uh, the bottle of Glen in your cupboard, AJ? Yeah, I know that was yours, right? You forgot it. Good job you forgot it, otherwise I told you off about that. What about um, but yeah, like just do what you want to do, basically on on that front with the with the red wine. Um, AJ, yeah. Asparagus. Oh Jesus, these are silly questions now, guys. Come on now, come on. Now. On a serious note, I do think um, a shot of vodka pre-stage is okay. Just yeah, 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 yeah okay. nerves. Bit of Glen, bit of Glen's vodka. Not bad. But yeah, we'll finish there. Thank you so much for coming on, AJ. Um, We really appreciate it. And um, I'm sure a lot of people are going to benefit from today's podcast. We will definitely get you back on the podcast on a different Yes, please. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought, guys. We really appreciate your feedback as always. AJ, do you have anything to say? And where can people find you on social media? Yeah, yeah. So, like, first up, guys, thanks for very much for having me on. I always love these kind of things. Like, I ramble fine for like an hour on this topic. I could have gone for longer, but this was just, yeah, it's just fun. And I like these also because it tests me a little bit. It makes me think and it refreshes my mindset on something. So, like, really thankful for for getting me on. And in terms of where people can find me, if you're not already following me on Instagram, it's where I'm most active. You can follow me at ajmorris underscore. Um, I would really appreciate it if you checked out my member site. It's something I'm putting a lot of effort into at the moment. And upon recording this, we're at like just over 600 members. Now, I'm going to have that to 1,000 plus by the end of the year. And I will look back at this podcast and remind myself that I said that. And I'll say it on every single podcast I'm a guest on. So if anyone can just check it out, see what you think. Even if you spend the four ninety nine that it is a month and you don't like it and you cancel, fine. As long as you message me and tell me what I can do different and what I can improve, that's that's cool. Um, but yeah, basically what it is, is there's two videos a week that go up every single week. There's a workout and there's an informative video and I'm putting a lot of effort into it and there's going to be some really cool people that are going to be featured on it soon. Um, some, some very cool natural athletes are going to be on there um, and we have a great little community on the forums as well. So um, check that out. I'd really appreciate that. Obviously, I run my own podcast as well, which, you know, I, I just do the solo podcast mostly at the moment. And they're basically, if you if you like listening to my voice, then sign up to do the YouTube channel and just watch the solo podcast. And I speak for, you know, yeah. a good hour a week on those. I'm personally a member on AJ's site. And like, I just want to say that it's definitely not just targeted towards guys. Like, it's so informative. It has all different types of topics videos with female athletes videos with male athletes so highly recommend joining it thank you sammy thanks (laughs) it's good (laughs) guys thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you in the next one thanks guys thanks guys